This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello everybody and welcome to the latest Liverpool Blood Red podcast with me, Ian Doyle. Joining me today is not our full-time Liverpool correspondent, both home and away, James Pearce. He remains away. He's very, very, very lazy. However, with me is, as you can hear from his laughter, it's the Echo's finest. It's Christian Walsh. That's trading standards, that. I'm not the finest. Well, hello, Ian. Thank you for that. I never said finest what? And also joining us once again, it's Joe Rimmer. Hello again, Ian. How are you? I'm fine. I feel like all I do is podcast with you now. Indeed, yes. Though you didn't at the weekend, did you? I did on Friday. No, you didn't at the weekend. Ah, the though, weekend. No, we didn't do a podcast the weekend. No, you did not. You had a nice no, weekend. No, yes, I had a nice weekend at a wedding. That's um, nice. Congratulations to Mr. and Mrs. Millington. Uh, Mr. Yeah. Walsh, what did you do at the weekend? Um, I was in here. I was in here on Saturday and Sunday. I had a barbecue in my mother's back garden. Oh, well, that's nice. Did, nice. did you know this at the time? No, no. I just turned up with some charcoal and started the fire. <laughs> Right, I was at Anfield on Sunday. See, neat segue there, you see. Yeah. Uh, I was at Anfield on <clears> Sunday to watch Brazil take on Croatia. Christian, I know you watched the game. I saw some highlights of it. I mean, Felipe Coutinho, he got a mixed reception, it has to be said, from those inside the stadium. There were a lot of Brazil fans who were quite happy to see him. There were a lot of Croatia fans who weren't happy to see him and I think jumped on the bandwagon. But there were the, the locals, I think there were. You could hear jeers whenever he got the ball. Yeah, it's a bit of a strange one, really. I, I, it's probably pantomime more than anything, isn't it, in terms of Coutinho. I don't think there can be any real ill will towards him. I wrote about it earlier in the week and how it's a strange situation because you know the club were insistent that the back injury that kept him out until the transfer window closed in the summer was, was legitimate. Um, but you know I think everybody sort of sus- suspected he was saying it was a little bit more sore than it was. Um, but then when he started playing again in the... In, in the red of Liverpool, all was forgiven because you know he's that type of player. He's 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 a joy to watch. He scored so many goals. I think it was twelve in in twenty. And then obviously he just sort of leaves for Barcelona after all the build up in the summer and the transfer request and and and, and the saga. Virgil Van Dijk comes in, he makes his debut against Everton, and the day after Philip Coutinho was gone, like just just like that overnight. And I don't think Liverpool fans really had ever had a chance to say goodbye to Coutinho. I think his last game was the two-one against Leicester just before Christmas. Never really had a chance to say goodbye. Never really had a chance to to come to terms with what had happened. And because of the way that the, the league season and the season in general was going. They didn't really have an opportunity to think about what his departure meant, and it's only now, really, sort of coinciding with his return to Anfield, that supporters have been able to have a, a, a good think about what what it meant for him to leave. And ultimately, what it did mean for Liverpool is that they've got a sizable chunk of money in the back pocket. They've got players who flourished in his absence, including Salah, Mane. I think Robertson was one who who really did benefit from from Coutinho leaving. And even though he's gone and started well at Barcelona. It's very much like Liverpool have won that little transfer battle because they've got a big wedge of money for them and, and they haven't really missed them. So any sort of booing, I don't think there's it's necessarily ill will. I think it's just been done a little bit the way Michael Owen gets done now. A little bit of, you know, oh boo-hoo, you left Liverpool, you know, how dare you? But I don't think it was anything malicious. Joe, it's been five months now since Coutinho left. He's now had his first return to Anfield. He's had to deal with it. Is it now time just to draw a line under it and just forget about it? Yeah, you'd like to think so. I still think if he came back with Barcelona, it, w- it would happen again. And unfortunately, I think it, it's something that happens a lot. Players getting jeered. I, d- I don't think <clears throat> anyone can really blame him for leaving too much. 
He's a he's a lad from Brazil who wants to go and play for Barcelona, and all power to him. I don't, I don't mind that, but it's very rare. I think that you see players who've left Liverpool um, in terms of that they've wanted to leave the club and, and forced their way out. Not jeered now. I think maybe Xabi Alonso is probably the only player I think that's still loved by fans despite. And I think there's still, still a lot of fans who blame uh, Benitez for that as well, don't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah, perhaps so. So, look, you know, I I think it's a bit sad. I don't think you need to jeer him, but I think he, he'd still get jeered if he came back with Barcelona. I don't think that's changed. Uh, plus, I think this is this was an exhibition match. I don't think I, I don't know how, how, what percentage of the fans look. I, I spent most of Sunday curled up into a ball trying to recover <laughs> from um, from a heavy night on Saturday. But I don't think I don't know what sort of percentage it was of Liverpool supporters in the ground. But I can't imagine it was as much as it. it it would be for a, for a normal home game anyway. There were a lot of Croatians in there, I have to mm. say. While you'd expect Brazil to be the the best supported team out of that, the, I think the Croatian fans took over the whole of the Anfield, Anfield road end and they're the ones that were quite vociferous whenever Coutinho got the ball. But there were two players there who did get a good reception, Christian. One was Dejan Lovren. He got a big cheer when his name was read out and he, he, I think he played the full 90, nearly scored at the cop end. The other one was Roberto Firmino who came on, scored a goal and... You know, it's been a great season for him, hasn't it? Are you surprised to see him not actually starting the game? Because it looks as though Brazil are going to go with Gabriel Jesus, who hasn't had as good a season for Manchester City, but he seems to have the, uh, you know, have the nod. Yeah, it's, it's it's a strange one in general. But I thought for me, over the start of the Anfield, I thought, why wouldn't you do that? But then, you know, I suppose the coach is trying to get that front free gelling. At the same time, obviously that front free at the start didn't have Neymar in it, um, and he's obviously going to play, but he's just not a full fitness yet. In terms of you know overall, I suppose for me, you know, I think for me, you know, at the moment is a better player than Gabriel Jesus. I don't think there's, you can really question that when you look at their output this season. Although Jesus has had a couple of injuries and he is a very very good player, he's obviously a lot younger than Firmino as well. I think the thing with Firmino is that he's a system type of player, and if you don't play a particular system, then although he's still very good, he's he's not what he is under Jurgen Klopp at Liverpool. You think about when he was, he showed flashes, didn't he, under Brendan Rodgers at Liverpool slightly, um, but he was shifted out to the left. You know, he was played as a number ten rather than a, the, the the nine that he's become at Liverpool. I think if Brazil don't play that pressing style, if they don't play with, uh, you know, this this and pace on the counter attack, if they don't want him to, to be pressing from the front and, 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 and basically be in the first line of defence then he's you know, he you're taking a low a, a fair chunk of his game out if you if you if you if you don't want him to do that. So I think even though he's the better player for Liverpool, I wouldn't swap him for Jesus for example. Um and I think overall he, I'd, I'd rather watch Firmino. He's, he's the type of player I can sort of identify with more. Um the the the, the shift that he puts in the graft is, is incredible. I can sort of see why Brazil would go with Jesus because they they play a more you know bog standard if you will four three three where they've got a very skillful Neymar they've got Coutinho on the other side and then they've got Jesus who they can supply the chances to. What I would say for Liverpool is that in normal circumstances you'd want them quite well rested over the summer, but I think Firmino is better with games, so I think it would probably benefit Liverpool if he did play rather than didn't to the World Cup. That being said, he has had a long, hard season at Liverpool. He was probably the one who, who was afforded the least amount of time on the sidelines. So it mightn't be the worst thing in the world that you know Jesus picks up the slack and, and Firmino gets his feet up. 
I mean, Joe, when Liverpool signed Fabinho last week, I think a lot of fans look, you know, very quickly were looking up his Wikipedia entry and seeing what his what his past was and what his career's been. He'd only made four appearances for Brazil and he hasn't been named in the squad for this World Cup. And I think if you looked at the way Brazil played at uh, at Anfield on Sunday, they, had, they more or less had three holding midfielders. I think they had Fernandinho, Paulinho, and I've forgotten the name. Renato Augusto, is it? No, he didn't play. Who was, who was the Casemiro? Casemiro. Casemiro, that's yeah. it, yeah. Casemiro who played. And, you know, I was speaking to a Brazilian journalist after the game and he said he wasn't surprised to see Fabinho not in the squad because of that. But because obviously he started his career at right back, they were thinking he may have got in now that Danny Alves has, has got injured because he could cover both positions. Mm-hmm. So there was a bit of surprise there. But should this be anything for Liverpool fans to worry about? Or does it just underline the strength of mm-hmm. options that Brazil have got in that position? I'm not sure. It's, it's a difficult one to say, isn't it? I, I saw a tweet after he'd signed for Liverpool from a French journalist who, who was asked why doesn't he get in the Brazil squad and they just said because he plays in France and it's, it's not considered as, as good a league and that Liverpool is the perfect platform for him to try and get back into that Brazil squad and if you think about it they have got several defensive midfielders who are very highly rated Casemiro's playing for Real Madrid Fernandinho's probably coming off his best season at Man City so it's not a massive surprise that, that he doesn't get past them but maybe it is a surprise he doesn't get in the squad as a whole and, and certainly hasn't done for a long time um, but you find these these weird quirky things don't you with, with international teams and certain coaches just don't go for certain players and they just get almost left out in the cold look at, look at Sané today I know people are talking about it all over Twitter now because he's been left out and he seems to have a great season at Man City but he's le- been left out for Julian Brandt who um, of course we all remember was linked with Liverpool but who by all accounts, hasn't quite kicked on the way others thought he would. So um, it is interesting, but I, you find international managers make these sorts of calls all the time. Look at Firmino and Dunga. Yeah, Firmino yeah. couldn't get in the squad under Dunga, and I know he didn't start you know, the world on fire at Liverpool, but when Dunga was there, he, was, he, he, he hardly got a kick. And and I, I was looking at the, the, the stats behind Firmino. It was Dunga who actually gave him, I think, 17 call-ups it was, um, played him four times. He was even in the Copa America squad in 2016 when they went out to, I think it was Peru and Haiti were, 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 in, their, were in their group and Ecuador. So there was a group they should have got out of and they finished third. I think it just, I think players can just do that sometimes. They can go under yeah. the radar. I think the other thing that you've got to realise is that he was playing right back. He was in the squad as a right back. Every game he's played for Brazil, all four of them were at right back. And then he moved into central midfield in the 16-17 season with uh, next to Bakayoko, and obviously there was that great Monaco team. But he's still relatively, you know, new as a central midfielder. He's certainly not established. And you think about the the, the amount of time Casemiro and uh, Fernandinho, and even the likes of I know he plays a little bit more advanced now, but Paulinho, Renato Augusto, those type of players, they. You know they they they're well established holding midfielders, whereas you know Fabinho's only been there for two years, and maybe if you're thinking about a World Cup, it'd be quite a big call to to basically jettison a, a player in with with six yeah. months of it remaining. I'm glad glad yeah. you mentioned uh, Leroy Sané by the way, because basically if you'd have said three months ago that Trent Alexander-Arnold would be going to the World Cup and Sané wouldn't, I think most people wouldn't have believed you. But interesting how things have turned ever since that Manchester City Champions League game, isn't it? Certainly. I think that was the game for Trent, especially that gave him the real confidence to go on and and cement that place. You know, because you think most most of the season he was in a battle, wasn't he, with Gomez? And Gomez tended to play in the games that I think uh, Liverpool were looking for a safer back for, and then Trent would play when they were trying to get on the front foot a bit more. And then eventually, 
when Trent Gomez gets injured, Trent shows what he's made of against Sané, and that sort of gave him the confidence to, and, and Liverpool the confidence in his defensive abilities. So um, it'd be great to see him for England, and I think he stands a real decent chance. I mean, England play their final warm-up game on Thursday <laughs> against Costa Rica at Leeds, Ellen Road, and we know that basically Trent's going to play because he's in the World Cup squad. He hasn't played for England yet. Henderson as well, but. What do you make of the England battle for this right-wing spot? It looks like they're going to play 3-5-2. It's between Trippier and Alexander-Arnold. Are you backing for that one? I mean, again, there's that dilemma, isn't it? Because you you want to see Trent do there. I think that he deserves it after the season he's had. And you think if he plays in the World Cup, age 19 for England, he'll be absolutely flying. At the same time, you're just a little bit worried, number one, about, you know, how much game time you know we didn't clop until maybe Christmas was worried about playing them two times a week let alone in, you know in such a short period of time he's very well, let's face it it's only going to be three games because England yeah. will be knocked out of the group stage but, 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 <laughs> but basically he's played a lot of football for, for for Liverpool more than I think Klopp would have wanted them to um, after Klein and Gomez's injuries um, and secondly as well you just can't trust you know the way the England team are treated you've seen with the coverage of Raheem Sterling in, 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 in recent you know days and weeks that they, they they love a fall guy. They love the, you know the, the 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 papers love a fall guy. I, I don't even mean the back pages, the well, front pages not, love a fall they're guy. They're not going to pick on Trent. They're not going to pick on Trent, but he could, but he gets sent off in the last sixteen game against Colombia or Senegal, yeah. and then all of a sudden but he's the villain. Then I don't think they'd put it on him. They'd put him on the manager. Then I think. And don't forget, the, there's the opposite way around as well. Let's just say he has a great World Cup or scores a goal in a game. You know, we we've seen him take great free kicks for Liverpool, and then you get the opposite effect where they delve into his 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 private life and stuff like that, and they they want. To find out more about the the boy that's taken this nation by by storm, you know, at the World Cup. So I, I don't um. I, I can see how it can be bad for him either way. But I, look, I, I think we've got to just concentrate on the on what's going on on the pitch, and him playing for England will give him a massive confidence boost. I think we're all at the situation now as well. We're, unlike other years, where I don't think anybody begrudges, begrudges any one of these players the opportunity to play for the country at the World Cup. No. You know, they, they give absolutely everything for Liverpool this season. Help them get to the Champions League final, and you know, ultimately, uh, even though we, from a Liverpool perspective, don't really understand it and don't see it, representing your country at that level is is one of the highest honours you could ask for. So they all yeah. deserve it. Well, there's not going to be that many Liverpool players at the World Cup, is there? I think we counted it as eight. I think it was. I mean, obviously Salah now he's been announced in the Egypt squad, and it looks like he's going to be okay, certainly for at least the second game. I think some of the others, uh, you know, Mignolet won't play, Grubic won't play. Neither of them two have been playing for Liverpool anyway. There's Lovren, there's the two England lads, and I'm sure I've missed them out there. We've missed out Firmino, Firmino, Firmino. Mm-hmm. and then after that, there's there's not many more after that, is there? Yeah, I mean, but again, that's it. Money, money, money. That that it's strange, isn't it? The front three are probably the ones who need the rest the most, but they're the ones who, who are over there. But that's what happens when they're good players. That's why yeah, they're always exactly. in demand. You look at Messi, you look at Ronaldo. They're always the players everybody aspires to, and they're, they're the two they're going to have more pressure on them than any other player at that World Cup. Yeah, exactly. It, it's but what, you know, I think that. You want as many there as possible in the sense that, you know, to advance their opportunity. It's a shame someone like Andy Robertson couldn't cap a, a brilliant debut campaign at, at Liverpool by going out in the group stages with Scotland. <laughs> and um, you know, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot of those sorts of players. I think what Klopp will be happy about is that Guinea and and Guinea didn't make it. That no. means maybe Keita comes on gel- on it, the first day. Of Italy didn't make it. Italy didn't yeah. make it. Not uh, there's any, not no, there's the Italians. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I said well, that. Are we just naming, naming it? Holland. Holland. Yeah. Well, there we go. Holland, Van Dijk, and Wijnaldum. So, you know, I think getting left out of 
out of squads isn't great, but if the teams haven't qualified anyway, then that's okay. So it means that the likes of Keita, Van Dijk, Wijnaldum, and then there's Fabinho who didn't get called up, will all be at Melbourne on the first day of next season. Well, next the first day of pre-season, raring to go. Now, earlier on Sunday, there was a little bit of rumour coming out of France that uh, Nabil Fekir will be heading over later that day to uh, have talks with his representatives in Liverpool and possibly even have a medical. Needless to say... Le Buff. Yeah, needless to say, that was, <laughs> not, that was not true. Yeah, but it buff. does underline that there's you know, a growing clamour over Fekir yeah. now. I mean, it's a name that's been linked for about four or five weeks now. You know, Liverpool more or less confirmed it that they were interested in. They haven't denied any of these suggestions. Well, they did deny that, you know, that he was actually coming over to do these talks. I mean, we've, we've written a piece today about, what was his name? The, the, the Leon Jean-Michel, Jean-Michel Alas, yeah. And how he can be a little bit prickly when it comes to negotiating. You know, Michael, uh, Michael Edwards, is, he's become a bit of a cult hero, hasn't he, on, on, on social media, the Liverpool sporting director with the way he did the Fabinho deal. Yeah, yeah. But there's no chance, Joe, of him getting this one done in anywhere near the same amount of time, is there? No, I... Your piece was good. I don't want to blow smoke up your backside, but yeah, it was a de- it was a decent piece because it, it, he's always been a great negotiator at Leon. Um, in terms of he make every single deal that he's involved in seems to drag on because he he will extract every penny that it takes um, for one of his top players. And I, and I think if they want seventy odd million euros for him, you'll have to pay it if you want him because they he does not compromise. He's he's happy to keep players almost against their will for another couple of seasons. I mean, Lacazette's the most recent example of a player who you would have thought had left, would have left Leon each, each and every summer for the past four or five years and, and hasn't. He's always stayed around and that's because they just will not compromise on price and then he ended up going for 53 million, back when 53 million still seemed quite a lot of money. Um, so I think this one's going to drag on and I think if they, if they want to make it last until after the World Cup, I think they will do. So it'd be interesting. And I think they'd be happy with all of this speculation because it will just play into their hands. They'll want to bring other clubs to the table. Um, it'd be interesting. I wonder whether Liverpool will have to eventually have to say enough's enough and, and look elsewhere, especially if they want that deal done before well, the World Cup. Well, they, they stuck to the guns, Christian, with Salah last year because there, there were some suggestions of Douglas Costa and Martins at Sporting Lisbon. But that paid off. So it's like it's almost like Liverpool, if they're going to decide, right, we'll do this. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Liverpool started looking elsewhere, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, yeah, and yeah. you know, all of a sudden, you know, there's this attacking midfielder who's on their radar, and this attacking midfielder they're talking about, and ultimately, it's just a way of, of, of you know, panicking Leon a little bit. But as you, you know, as you said in your piece, uh, Mr. Monsieur Ola is a very much a. A tough negotiator. He, he's he's <laughs> he's done this many many times. He's been around this block before. He's played this game, and I don't know if if those sorts of tactics will work with him. So you know we got to remember with Salah and Roma is that Roma needed the money. Mm. Um, and they were, they, what people forget about Salah, I think the initially that their first bid Liverpool's was about eighteen million pounds or something like that, which is absolutely remarkable when you think about it. They would have got him for that. But anyway, um, you know I think. The, the the presidents and Leon they're not gonna they're not going to panic in the face of all this. So well, Liverpool might be looking elsewhere. It, the, the, they know that Liverpool won for Kia. They know that they've got a hot commodity there, and, and they're going to extract every penny or euro out of them that they can. Can Liverpool afford to get drawn into an auction though? 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, this way, the stock's really going to be any higher. They can afford to. They can afford to. They can afford to in terms of the money. Can they afford to in terms of the prestige, or is it the stock is so high now? Having got to the Champions League final, they've now become a club that these top players actually go. Well, actually, I'd really like to go there rather than the other way around, which is how the problem Klopp had certainly with his first summer when the likes of Goethe and Dahu they all went. No, I don't fancy that. Yeah, I, I think. You know, now is the the best time for Liverpool in terms of even Bayern Munich. I think they're one of the names that's been now mentioned with regards to Fakir got involved. I think Liverpool would still stand a massive chance of beating them to his signature because, by all accounts, he does want to move to Liverpool. Um, and I think for an attacking player, especially, they want to come and be part of this team. I mean, why would you not? So, I think Liverpool, if they if they can sort of hold the nerve, they'll be able to get a deal done for him. But I just wonder whether they will. You know, Liverpool are tough negotiators themselves. They, the Klopp and and the, uh, the recruitment team at Liverpool have shown that they'll happily move on from targets if they if they don't don't feel like the deal is value for money or they, they feel like they're being messed around. They they will turn their attentions elsewhere, and I'm sure they'll have very decent backup options um, should they do that. But I think if Liverpool hold the nerve, they'll be able to get this deal done. But they will be made to wait. I think it depends how much they want him, really. Because if you look at the Van Dijk situation, they really wanted him, stuck mm. stuck with him. I think Salah the same, obviously, as Christian. You just mentioned then the the situation was slightly different. I mean, it's how much do they actually want Fekir? That's only something only Klopp knows, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. It's, it's, he he doesn't compromise, but the, the, there are opportunities, I suppose, where you know we, we've seen it with 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 you know Brandt. He did compromise yeah. on Brandt because he couldn't get Brandt. But there were other players, whereas with Van Dijk, for him, Van Dijk was the one. You know, Van Dijk was the one who would shape his defence and completely revolutionise the way his, his side set up, push them 10 yards up the pitch, uh, you know, help Lars Karius come through more. And basically, Van Dijk was the one and only. There was no there was no getting Johnny Evans for £35 million, for example. There was no getting Kaladu Koulibaly yeah. for 50. It was Van Dijk or nobody by the end of it. Whereas with Fakir, you just, you just don't really know. Um you know, with, with with Fabinho, there was they, they were watching Jorginho. He was one. Now, whether or not it was a case of Liverpool went for Fabinho after Jorginho, or they decided to get him regardless. Well, they tend you know. to, they tend to know, don't they? I mean, they, they, obviously, all these recruitment teams and sporting directors they all know each other, so they know right we're going for him, and they'll talk to each other, so they'll they'll, they'll know whether there's any kind of realistic attempt of. Signing yeah, of course. So, so it'd have been on their early list. Yeah, the, the concept of scouting is, you know, I think because of you know football managers and things like that, people think scouting is just turning up to a football game, watching a football, yeah, and yeah. going, "He's good," you know, or "He's not very good." Don't sign him. Scouting's about talking to to clubs and gauging the availability and finding out who else is interested. And, and if, you're, if you're scouting somebody, invariably there'll be about seven, eight, ten, yeah. eleven, twelve other scouts there as well. So you just oh, go, "All right, have you seen yeah, him? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So you know. I, whether or not there'll be an alternative to Fakir, I don't know, but I, I, I've got a sneaking suspicion it won't come to that. I, mean, I, I agree with you on that one. I think this is the one that they want. They will have alternatives, and it's then it's come down to the question of last year, it's how much Klopp wants to pay. He didn't want to pay for Lamar in the end, that amount of money. He didn't want to pay him again in January when he could have actually signed him. Is he still an option, Joe, do you think, or is, he, or is that gone now? I I suspect that's gone now. I, I, Lamar's a strange one because... He, he did have a very good season the season before last and, and hasn't quite hit those standards this season. Albeit, I think he has changed position, Lamar, a little bit this year. But the price that they were talking about for him was just outrageous, wasn't it? 90-odd million, I think. Did Arsenal agree at 90-odd? I think it was million? something like that. Yeah. And, of course, we know that Liverpool must have been watching him all season because they've been watching yeah. Fabinho. Yeah, mm-hmm. they will have been. And so I, don't, I just think 
that that's not really an option anymore. That they clearly have decided that Fakir is the better option, and that you you probably have to pay more for Lamar, wouldn't you? So why would they pay more for Lamar and and miss out on Fakir? Christian, buying so many players from the French League in a World Cup year, what could possibly go wrong? Both <laughs> <laughs> are. It's definitely on the list of things to write, isn't it? It's, it's I mean. What what I would say about the difference here is that these players have been proven in European competition. For example, Fabinho has has won the title with Monaco and, and was part of the team that got to the semi-finals of the Champions League. You've got Fakir who uh, you know performed well in the Europa League. He's in the French squad. Um, you know he's kept out some very very good players out of that the the squad like Martial and 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 you know Rabio and, and I know he plays a little bit deeper but. Um, you know uh, Kingsley Coman, who I'm a big fan of. Um, <laughs> Greg O'Keefe was not a big fan no, of Kingsley Coman. Formerly, formerly of this yeah. parish, he's he's, yeah. he's a very vocal disapprover. He's watched them once. Um, <laughs> so have you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so basically, yeah, it's it's. I think it's different. They're not the youth. They're not the ow. Please don't be doof and the ow. Um, but but because they I, I were d- signed before the World Cup. Yeah. I mean, I wrote something this morning. The great myth is the fact that they were signed after. I mean, I think yeah. Dia was signed physically signed afterwards, but the deal was agreed mm. beforehand. And Dia was before, definitely yeah. before. Because yeah. you remember the game against France, the first game, mm. and he, he he skinned was it Lebuff? Yeah, Lebuff. Yeah, absolutely, and and the winner, winner. Uh, Papa Bubba Diop, wasn't he? He scored mm. the winner. Yeah, yeah. Um, the wardrobe. Uh, a former Echo journalist once again, once of this parish, who will remain mainly. Will, main, main re- nameless yeah. will remain nameless um, I was on work experience at the Mersey Mart in 2002 and he proclaimed that uh, El Hadj Youth <laughs> will be the best player in the world in four years time name name name, name. I'm not, name. but he was at the Mersey Mart in 2002 and he, he might it? and he might be working for Liverpool football say, club now really <laughs> anymore, is he? and he's got, he's got a similar hairline to yeah. me and Ian Doyle yeah that's true Anyway, <laughs> where do you go after that? Hiya, Tony. <laughs> he won't be listening to this. No, he won't. <laughs> to be fair, who, who can blame him? Because I, I remember, yeah. I remember sitting in in French actually, strangely, with um with a friend from school, and you we were had sitting the four, in, four, oh, in four, French, four, actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. This was um this was just in the, it must have been the September once we'd gone back to school, and he was on the front page of the four four two, big thing with the youth having like shocked the world in the World Cup, if you like, and um. The both of us were thinking, bloody hell, they've got a player here, haven't they? Because if, if you remember, his debut, I was on, I was there as debut, and he scored twice against Southampton. Looked great. Didn't Salafiao um, score a cracking goal against Denmark in the group as well? Yeah, he, he did in like the free three the in the free yeah. three game. Yeah. yeah. No, so that was Uruguay. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. But 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 I think I think <laughs> Tony done. wasn't the only one taken in by the youth and thought Liverpool had a great uh, great player. They probably would have had a great player if he kept his head. And his mouth shut as well, yeah. And kept his mouth mouth shut. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Joe, you have a little fact for us that uh, yeah, an anniversary yeah. today, the twenty years since Liverpool signed who? Yeah, just talking of great signings, twenty years tomorrow until the day Liverpool signed Sean Dundee for, for one point eight million pounds from Carlsborough. I just remember enjoying that because I was I was actually working at the time while you were at school and Christian yeah. I don't know what you were doing. I wasn't even yeah. in senior school then, Dolly. How really? old do you feel now? Um Probably the same as I did yesterday, but one day yeah. older. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's old. Yeah. Anyway, Sean Dundee, I remember he came in and he announced that he was going to challenge Michael Owen in terms of his speed. He was saying, I'm just as fast as Michael Owen, something like this. And he ended up becoming or emerging as the world's slowest player to ever play for Liverpool, you know, challenging Glenn Hussain for that particular, particular tag. I mean, did you ever see him play? 
I'm struggling. I'm yeah, struggling I... to think. Certainly not. I can't remember him. You know, I can't. He, I, w- I was I was watching Liverpool at that age. I was obviously aware of their good players and their average players and their below average players. But then Sean Dundee was the next level, wasn't he? He's funny because he's become almost like a pre pre internet meme mm. in terms of like you you remember him but you don't remember him. Like you remember him because everyone says oh, Sean Dundee, the worst player Liverpool have ever signed. But I don't actually remember seeing him in action. I, re- I remember him in the kit, never from mm. the big baggy. Reebok kit with the big oval badge and I remember him being faster than Michael Owen in inverted commas but yeah I I don't really remember seeing him play but there were were always some stories about him extracurricular activities around around the team which I can't really divulge but I'm sure if anybody knows about them they'll know exactly what I'm talking about but you mentioned Sean Dundee, you mentioned El Adjif, you mentioned Salif Diaw, you didn't mention Bruno Cheru, he was another one from France in 2002 after Wilcup, can we think of any more just to finish that's a bit harsh. Phil Babbers. I'm oh, sorry, I thought we were just talking terrible. about. No, 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 I'm sorry, I, was, I thought we were talking about World, world Cup. Oh, sorry. No, just terrible, sorry, sir. Te- terrible signings for Liverpool. Because we are in the transfer window and Liverpool recently have a very good record. Aquilani's up there, isn't he? always been good. Shea was one that I remember seeing and thinking, this guy's not got it. You know, you know, straight away you think, I don't see how he fits in. He didn't have the pace. He wasn't quite skillful on the ball. I just didn't understand what what they'd seen when they saw him and signed him. And um, we just have to say here that we're not saying that these players are awful. Yeah, we're just yeah, saying they're not good signings for Liverpool, Liverpool at that yeah, time. Yeah. Balotelli. Balotelli. When you think about it, no one wanted them. That, that's yeah. the thing, nobody. I was there I was there in America when Rogers said, and he was being absolutely 100% genuine, said, I've got absolutely no interest in Manuel Balotelli. And and he didn't because at that point they had about fifteen different strikers that were on the list ahead of him. And one by one, you know, obviously Sanchez has said had gone to Arsenal, Lower Gremi failed his medical. Boney as well, Samuel Eto, Boney, yeah. tick, 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 all gone. And then it was just left for the last day. You know, you've you've you finished seconds, you you ran the crest of a wave, you've just lost Luis Suarez, how are you gonna replace him, Mario Balotelli? That that that's up there. That that yeah. really is Sam, up there. Samuel, with, Samuel Etto played for Everton. Played for Everton yeah. Yeah. for, for yeah. six for six that. months. Yeah. 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 Aquilani is the same as Balotelli in the fact that he's Italian. But he was it. Um, <laughs> well done. <laughs> but, but also, you know, you, you've gone from you've gone from Alonso to to Aquilani. Yeah. He was he was a good player. I mean, I remember speaking to some of the players at the time. They were saying that he was brilliant in training, but he was always injured. That was his problem. Yeah. yeah, he was always injured. I felt a bit sorry for him in the end because when you actually did see him play, and he was played in a proper position, proper position. Sorry. The next, se- the next season, it was, you know, the whole team was just not yeah, great. Yeah. I remember seeing him play, was it Portsmouth? He Portsmouth yeah, 4-1 on a Monday yeah, night. And, yeah. and he played well. Rolls Royce, wasn't he? I remember, yeah. remember him playing well. And, and See, I think there's a difference between him and, and the likes of a, a Salif Diaw, a mm. Shea, or, oh, yeah, or yeah. even a Sean Dundee, because you could tell that he had ability. He just didn't fit in for, whether it be injuries or the pace of the league, I think, as well. I don't think... He, he could quite hack it because some, some players just don't like the Premier League. One, one, one for the slightly older listeners, Jimmy Carter. I thought you were going to say Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter. He uh, came from... Came the from, presidency of the United States. He came from, <laughs> yes. He came, came from the from, White House. came from Millwall. And I remember, he, he, I'm sure it was when they got beat 4-2 at Chelsea in that season and he was he come on a sub and got subbed. I'm pretty sure that's correct. It's very, you know, it's very rare that happens and that, that stuck in my mind. Uh, and for anybody who's really old, I older than me, there was a, a player that they signed in the, I think it was the seventies called Frank McGarvey, and he there was always a, he never really, he never played. I think he came from St Mirren. There was always some suggestion that they only signed him to stop him from signing from some other clubs. Mm. So you can't really do that anymore, can you? Here's one that I don't 
I don't think you can say he's one of the worst signings Liverpool have ever made, but I certainly it irritated me when they signed him. Let me guess. Let me guess. Let me guess. Let me guess. Irritated me every time I watched him play. No, Joe Cole. No, no, not Joe Cole. Uh, is it? Is it? But thinking along on along the same lines. Ivanovic. No, no. Uh, come on, no, don't no. So he's come from another Premier League. Paul Ince. No, no. Ooh. But you're thinking along the right lines. Uh, come from another come Premier League club. club. And Cost he wasn't very good. Quite a bit of money. Glenn Johnson. No. Morale, no, Morales Can we stop to playing one. this guess? Yeah, yeah, go on. This isn't good Stuart radio. Downing. Stuart Downing. To me, I, I found Stuart Downing, he was just a mid-table player. That's where he, that, that was his level. And when Liverpool signed him, I knew there was something wrong. You know, I, I just thought, Liverpool don't sign players of Stuart Downing's calibre. And, all right, yeah, he was, he was okay, wasn't he? But he was never... He was man okay. Of, man no no goals or assists no, like this first season. Man of the match in the last game that... Liverpool won a trophy, but yeah, against, against Cardiff. Cardiff. Yeah. Still, well, still done it on but, penalties. But he, he was still, he was still just very, very average, and, and he was exactly how I thought he would turn out, average. And yeah, I don't think Liverpool should ever be signing yeah. players of that. Well, around the same time, I knew within 20 minutes, and uh, Neil Jones, who sat next to me at the time, will 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 confirm this story. I just turned to him and said, "He's not good enough, Charlie Adam." Charlie Adam. Charlie yeah, Adam. Yeah. Just for whatever reason, he's very good at set pieces, great pass of the ball, but. Struggle to move around to the pitch, shall we say? Is there? A yeah. <laughs> That's all you need to say, really, isn't it? Philip Dagan was a bad one, wasn't he? Second, second. Anyone who went the match around <laughs> yeah. that time can just—all your, your memories of is, is Carrick screaming, wasn't it? And and I'll poor Carrick, he must have. Yeah, he must have almost given Carrick a heart attack every game. So, um, yeah, uh, he he was he was poor, wasn't he? He he was just. He's great against Shamir that first game. He was about as Swiss as they come, wasn't he? Just very. What does that mean? He's a Swiss Neutral. Neutral. Neutral and has multifacets to him. There's nothing about him. He's got a great bank account. (laughs) Just offended the whole Switzerland. There's nothing about him. He was safe. Joe Cole's up there, though. Just because of what what it represents. You're saying this, though. Joe Cole and Philip Deggan both cost nothing. At least they didn't cost anything. Wages, though. Wages, though. I know there's wages, but in terms of transfer fee, they cost nothing. You know, Aquilani... I think if he cost ten million rather than thirty, I don't. I think people would look at him a little bit like, oh, that's a bit unlucky, rather than go, what a terrible signing that was. I mean, you could even go back to like Stan Collymore a bad signing. Personally, mm. I don't think so. Probably he not. Got in one terms very good season. Yeah, out of him. one very good season did he? It, the Stan Collymore is not a bad signing, but I think he was one that it always left you. Yeah, yeah, it was. It turned out badly, and always left you wanting more than the Paul Ince. Um, I, no, I don't think that was a bad signing mm, either at the time. But I know there's a lot of fans who. who Disagree with me and don't think he did anything for Liverpool. Mm. Tell you what, Benitez did love to sign an average fullback, didn't he? You think the best is when he when he swapped Hossamy for Cromcamp yeah, and yeah. no one realised. <laughs> yeah. I think it was probably yeah. just Hossamy in a mask. I know, Hossamy won the <laughs> Champions Enna. League and Cromcamp played an FA Cup final, yeah. which he, he won. Do- Dosena can never be remembered as a bad signing just for that week where he scored two goals. <laughs> Honestly, I, he'll have that. He'll always well, have he that. Was, he was bought as. He was a wing back, and they brought him to play left back, and yeah. wondered why he couldn't defend yeah, as well. Yeah, well what a surprise! You know, yeah. sometimes these these things. You know, we're not all experts at all. Otherwise, we would be scouts and working on these recruitment teams. But sometimes mm. you can see things and go, "That's clearly not going to work." Inchu yeah. was all right, but he had the backside on, like James Pearce. No, Inchu yeah. had absolutely no positional sense yeah. whatsoever. Again, another. It's, again, a lot of these are left backs, aren't they? Yeah. Paul Konchesky, we haven't even mentioned him. Oh, yeah. oh, I, w- I wonder whether it, a fullback is a harder position to sign. Whether they they can they can look quite good at other clubs, but when they get yeah, there, yeah. probably don't have the ability. I think it's hard to make that step up, yeah. isn't it? Because yeah. you you're obviously you don't you don't snatch the best fullbacks from other clubs 
other top clubs. So mm. you sort of you, you go a little bit lower down, like Liverpool did with, with Robertson. But yeah. yeah, so many just seem out of the depth or, or just can't adapt. But you know, they got a good one with Robertson. Yeah, further up the pitch, you mentioned one before. Jovanovic was bad, wasn't he? He, he, he was, was nothing as well. He was, was, he, was, he, was he, not, but again, his wages. Yeah. He, 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 he ran around a lot. Do you remember he, that video? It took him ages. Took him ages, and they went after him. And then yeah. Mark Gonzalez would be another one that they took forever yeah, to, to sign, and then he just didn't really. I mean, he was also good. also on the front four four two. I used to get that all the time. So that's like an advert for four four two. Yeah, but no, for them badly building me up for players. He was on the front page of that in a Superman T-shirt. Um, and I remember again, it, there was a year of build for him. And this is this is like why well, I, I keep worrying about Naby Keita because it was like pre pre Twitter b- year of build towards Mark Gonzalez coming. Like he was the quickest player in the world and had an eye for goal and all that. And then he was absolutely dreadful. Scored in his debut. Though. Are, are there any mm. other players that Liverpool have signed months and months and months in advance that? They've had the big build-up. I don't know, we'll keep it for a Saturday because we need the content. (laughs) (laughs) We can talk about it now, though. (laughs) I can't really think of any, can you? There must be some. They've had the big build-up. I mean, there's players who they've been linked with for months and months on end and they signed them. I think Collywell was one like that, to be honest. I mean, there's players like Torres. They were linked with him for quite Mm. some time. That was one of the most excited I've ever been over a signing when they got Torres. Hmm. Torres, you you just... It was like that upper echelon, wasn't it? And you knew he had class, and then when he went and did that to um, tell Ben Haim on his debut, it just underlined why they'd spent such good money on a player. Right, it also underlines, I think, that how well Liverpool have recruited over the past eighteen months, yeah, isn't it? Definitely. Well, I, I did something at the weekend, and you know, Liverpool's top five transfer fees have, have now been in the last twelve months, um, and um, you do the top ten. Liverpool transfers now, and you know, going back five years, it was a real sort of mixed bag. But yeah. now it's it's Andy Carroll, um, there's Andy Carroll, and that's probably it in terms of the top ten who who, who can be considered you know genuine sort of letdowns. You know, it, 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 they're all decent. Andy Carroll, I never mentioned it, did we? Uh, Andy, Carroll, Andy Carroll, I, I thought. I thought he had ability. I thought he was a decent player. I just think he just didn't suit Liverpool. Also, he's very injury prone. Yeah, he's very he scored a late yeah. winner in an FA Cup semi final against oh. Everton and scored in, in an, an FA Cup final. Well, scored two. He <laughs> wasn't in. And, uh, and scored that goal against Blackburn. Yeah. I tell you that what, caused John yeah, Barnes yeah. to do a very good celebration. Yeah. And then I remember his, um, was it his full Anfield debut, the, the three Man City against game. Man City. Yeah, yeah. He scored yeah. Twice. It, didn't he? And, yeah. and I remember thinking. Oh, I was travelling in Australia and I watched, was watching the game there. Have you ever been in England? <laughs> yeah. And I remember thinking Liverpool signed one hell of a player. I thought, you know, they've got a great young English striker here. The next year, yeah. Yeah, that didn't oh, quite turn on, up. On that cheery point then, yeah. we will wish you farewell. Join us later this week for the next Blood Red podcast, by which time we'll have thought something to talk about. Cheerio. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.